You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Abby. And I'm Sarah. We are recording this in the first week where most people in the country are practicing social distancing and still figuring out what that new normal looks like. And right now, it looks like when this comes out near the end of April, we will still be doing that. Mm -hmm. I just got the news that my kids' school is closed through at least May 1st. I'm assuming that might be extended even further. So you will hear us talking some about COVID-19 and are experiencing that just throughout the episode naturally, but know that at this point in time, it's right when everything's getting started. But we are going to try and continue our format as normal. So Abby, why don't you share something that's new with you? I want to share about a milestone in our family. Pepper is walking. Yay! He has been, I think, on the earliest side of most gross motor stuff. Mm-hmm. And so a little before his birthday, he just started standing up. And that seems to be his preference now all the time, is to be walking rather than crawling. It's really fun because he still looks really funny while he does it. He still sometimes (laughs) moves a little more sideways than forward, but it's really sweet. And it's also kind of poignant because he's our last baby. And so now we have a toddler. And he's more toddler than baby. Growing right up. What's new with you, Sarah? I wanted to share a venture recently started in our home, (laughs) inspired by a YouTube video called Kane's Arcade Games. And I will link to that in the show notes. This might be great for those of you stuck at home. It is about a kid who makes an arcade out of cardboard boxes. (laughs) HP watched this in school and was inspired to start his own. So he... First made a soccer game. He spent about an hour after school working on it. E is his main customer. It is five cents for every three shots. And he got this foil tin with random plastic things he's probably gotten at places like an arcade. (laughs) And you earn tickets from the game and exchange them for the prizes. It's remarkably like an arcade in that he has gotten E to spend a lot of her money in order (laughs) to win a small prize that is worth much less money than that. But I am proud of him (laughs) for his entrepreneurship, and E's really enjoying it. She was sad when she didn't have any more money to play, but (laughs) after having allowance, they came into the room where I was jumping up and down about how excited they were that she finally won the toy car that she was trying to get, and he was happy, and she was happy, and everyone was jumping around. So potentially a good opportunity (laughs) for folks trapped at home to spend some time making things out of cardboard and I don't know for older siblings to swindle your younger siblings <laughs> exactly but they're both happy so it feels okay and <laughs> it's fairly reasonably priced <laughs> now let's move into what we've been reading Abby what is your latest read I want to talk about Diet Land by Sarai Walker this is a novel about plum which I loved. My friend who recommended this book to me is also a podcast listener. And she said, I just kept thinking of you because the character's name is Plum. (laughs) Love it. So at the beginning of the book, she is planning to have weight loss surgery. And she's an adult probably our age, you know, 30s-ish. And then you get some of her backstory about her family life and struggles with her weight and body growing up. And then you see her life in present day. And then she starts to meet people who change her life 
at the same time as things start to change in the world. Mm. And I don't want to say too much more than that because how it unfolds is pretty exciting to sort of be a part of that and watching it. Mm -hmm. But I will just say that I loved this book. It is pretty intense and it is composed of a lot of social commentary about diet culture and misogyny and patriarchy. But because it's a novel, I feel like it's a little bit more palatable than something that was just a rant, which don't get me wrong, I'm often in the mood for nonfiction that feels like a rant and presents all the evidence. Mm -hmm. But there is something about reading fiction that parallels our life and makes us think in kind of a different way that I just Mm -hmm. really loved. Yeah. Did you know that this is also a TV series? No. The only reason I know about it is because Juliana Margulies, who was the lead in The Good Wife, Mm -hmm. which we both loved. Yes. I think it was the next project she did after The Good Wife. That's so interesting. And I have loved her for a long time because I loved her in ER. So I probably need to check that out. I will give a content warning for people who are thinking of reading this. The subplot of the book is pretty violent. Mm. So it's important to think about that if. The times that we're living in are too intense, or if fictional violence is a problem, that this might not be the book for you. Yeah. And usually I'm not someone who loves that kind of stuff, but wow, I just really love this book. It was a five-star read for me. It sounds great. And I did just look up Dietland, and it looks like there was only one season, Hmm. and then it got canceled. So there's a small amount out there for you to consume. Great. I will consume it. Sarah, what have you been reading? I just finished Atomic Habits by James Clear, which feels in line with our topic for today, which I'm not sure I said at the top of the show. (laughs) Surprise! (laughs) Which is self-improvement. This is a nonfiction book that outlines four laws of effective habit change and then gives examples of ways to apply that in your life in each chapter. As we will discuss, I love reading habit and self-improvement books in general. I read this one on a plane ride home and left feeling incredibly inspired and motivated. It felt like a really good way to reassess my habits not too far into the new year Mm. where some of that initial excitement has waned, but I don't feel like we're so far into the new year that all hope is lost. (laughs) So a few of my habits that had slipped, I felt reinvigorated and had new strategies and ways that might work well. Mm. One thing I didn't like is, in contrast to your book, Calling Into Question Diet Culture, this one had a lot of talk about weight loss and how to have habits that promote weight loss Mm. and could have happily done without that. I feel like there's lots of habits in the world that we don't need to focus on that. Yeah. And that it also gives this impression that if you just follow these simple steps, you can change your body size. Mm. And we all know that's not true. Exactly. That aside... If you are looking for a quick read to get inspired, I would recommend it. I think that you could easily read the chapter summaries at the end Mm. and gain most of the knowledge that you wanted from it. I don't think that every sentence was profound, (laughs) but I really did enjoy the book and have implemented a few things from it that have been really positive in my life. It sounds like it would be really quick, too, that it might be a Mm -hmm. nice dose level if you just wanted to read the summaries. It would be... A good amount of self-improvement. Yes. Let's continue this talk about self-improvement by entering our main segment. Let's share our general feelings about 
the self-improvement culture and industry. Do you love it? Do you hate it? Somewhere in between? I want to love it, but I think I'm more indifferent to it. Like, Hmm. I hear about self-improvement books or read about them and then put them on my list to read, but then I never do. (laughs) (laughs) So I always want to choose something else. I always would rather choose fiction Mm -hmm. or an awesome memoir instead of self-improvement. So what really works for me is the sort of self-improvement thing that is told through the personal lens. So we'll talk about specifics a little more later. I think there are examples of people who do this pretty well, but I think Mm -hmm. that's the kind of self-improvement I like the best. I want to hear people's stories and be inspired in that way. It does not always work for me to have someone tell me a prescriptive thing. I hear that. What about you, Sarah? I still love them. (laughs) I hear what you're saying. But I love thinking about ways to be happier and live a more fulfilling life, though I most want to do that when I am already feeling relatively happy and fulfilled. Uh Yeah. When I'm having a really hard time, I don't want to hear someone tell me what I should be doing. (laughs) I would like some time to wallow before I'm ready to move on. I would say I read a good amount of self-help books every year. I especially love if I get into a specific topic, reading multiple books about it in quick succession. Mm -hmm. For example, when I was into minimalism, I read a lot of books that all said essentially the same thing and (laughs) loved it. (laughs) Something about it just really works for me and brings me a lot of joy. I think I love thinking of all the ways I'm going to be a better person. And that brings me a lot of joy, even if it doesn't come to fruition, that it makes me feel like so many things are possible. And there's this whole world out there, regardless of if I make changes or not. (laughs) And I think that I identify with that possibility piece too, which is why when I hear Mm -hmm. about books or hear about content, Mm -hmm. you know, a podcast or a lifestyle type change that I could make that I feel really inspired about it, but it never goes further than that for me. Like I don't Mm -hmm. even read the book or I don't even (laughs) listen to the podcast much. So, But you're still getting that hopeful feeling. Yes. The world of possibility (laughs) is not to be missed, I think. (laughs) So where we are in our lives right now, are you feeling like you're in a place where you want to pursue self-improvement or are you just trying to survive? So the first part of this, which maybe goes more into my general philosophy, is that I tend to think that I'm pretty great already. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. That most of the time I am confident in the decisions I'm making and the way I'm living my life. And even if I am not happy with where I am, I know what I need to do Mm -hmm. to get there. I don't need somebody else to tell me about it. But the other piece of this is that I feel like it has been a really hard year in terms of being postpartum and mental health and then moving and now being in the house all the time with my kids and my spouse. And I feel like to get to the self-improvement level of self-actualization or a hierarchy of needs, I would have to fulfill all these other things first that I'm still working on. So we're still trying to build a community in this new place. Mm -hmm. I'm still thinking a lot about career stuff and what it looks like as I get to the point where both of my children eventually will have some preschool that they go to and have lives outside of our home. Mm -hmm. In a lot of ways, I was still figuring out kind of our grocery routine in our new city before we had to all limit that in a really 
different way for the good of everyone's public health. So I just feel like I'm not there in terms of self-improvement yet. Yeah. I definitely feel that with everything happening with COVID-19, I am just trying to survive. I am still wrapping my mind around how drastically my life has changed in the last week. Hopefully by the time this comes out, I will have found a new normal, although it also seems like that is changing on a week-to-week basis right now. Mm -hmm. In that sense, I feel like I'm letting go of a lot of things and just trying to get our family through every day. Mm -hmm. At the same time, because I read this habit book right before we've all been practicing social distancing, it has inspired me to take on a few new things, like bringing back my morning meditation which feels really important right now, Mm -hmm. and trying to go to bed early, trying to fit in a walk outside every day. I hope that these habits can last as we're going through this really challenging time, and it's definitely provided this touchstone of feeling like I have this piece of control over it and that I still am in charge of my own destiny, even with all of these outside forces. Mm -hmm. So on the one hand, I feel like I'm giving myself a lot of grace to just be And on the other hand, I am trying to create some of that structure around habits and around these goals I have for myself. A little bit of both and at the moment. So zooming out again, are there specific times of year or other life events that have inspired you to make changes in the past? We've talked before about how we often do visioning as a family at the beginning of every calendar year. So that's a time when I'm sometimes inspired to think about this kind of self-improvement stuff. I also like that the Lunar New Year comes not that long after that. Mm -hmm. And I have a friend who's really connected to those cycles. And so she's often talking about them in her life and work. And so I get a chance then to reflect about how things are going. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I'm really thankful for the podcast and that we do a mid-year (laughs) check-in and have time to reflect mid-year about not necessarily self-improvement, but sort of the bigger picture of how is life going, which is connected to self-improvement, but I think is more than that. So I really like those opportunities. What times of the year do you have that kind of reflection, Sarah? I also feel that at the new year. I think I would feel it anyway, but the podcast provides a lot of structure around that, and I really appreciate having to think through it in this more deliberate way than Mm -hmm. I might on my own. Yeah. And in advance of the new year, since we're usually recording ahead, so I feel like it makes that whole end of the year feel like this great reflection period of what was and what we hope will be. Mm -hmm. I also love the back to school energy. Mm. And part of that is because so much about our family life has changed every school year, that schedules are usually really different, not just new teachers, but often new schools and new days that you're going or new times that you're going. And so that it's felt like a great time to institute new habits, create new systems that work for all of us, and reflect on how I want to be using my time as the time I have available often shifts right around the new school year. Mm -hmm. Reading self-help books throughout the year often inspires me that I probably read, I would say maybe half a dozen a year if I were to estimate. (laughs) Yeah, I really like them. I feel like they're always really quick and they leave me feeling inspired and keep me on track for these ideas that I have in my head that daily life can just push on the back burner, Mm. but that reading the book makes me remember, yes, that is something I want to think about or do or implement. And I love it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Let's talk specifics now about what self-help books or leaders that you have found to be the most influential or helpful in your life. The first one I want to mention is Cheryl Strayed, Mm -hmm. whose book, Tiny Beautiful Things, we have talked about before on the pod, but in case listeners don't know, it's a collection of letters that she responded to as an advice columnist called Sugar. And she shares a lot of her own history as the advice giver, Mm -hmm. but it's just really beautiful. And it's stuff I go back to because they're short. I can go back to them as needed. And then the other thing about her is that she and the person who wrote Advice as Sugar before she did, Steve Almond, for a while did a podcast called Dear Sugar that I really loved. And I haven't listened to all of that, but there were just some really sweet episodes in there that were inspiring in terms of habits, but also sort of life philosophy. It's just really good. Yes. I love Tiny Beautiful Things. And it's one that right now feels like a great moment to go back and reread. Mm -hmm. Because as you said, it's not about being prescriptive. It's about that bigger picture. What kind of human do you want to be in this world? Exactly. And feels like it will be ever relevant. Mm -hmm. Along that same vein, I've really enjoyed Glennon Doyle's memoirs Mm. and her blogging and her social media that often when something big is happening, I find her to be a voice that also points back to that, find that truth within yourself. Mm. And how can you be a light and a kind presence out in the world while not turning away from hard truths? And I really appreciate that about all the work she's put out there. Yeah. I've talked about this book on the podcast before also, but a book that I really love that I read for the first time I think in grad school is called Clear Your Clutter with Feng Shui by Karen Kingston. And it is basically about using the principles of feng shui to improve the state of your home and your life. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure why it resonated with me as much as it did, but for a while, it was so my book that I would take books that I was getting rid of to this huge used bookstore in Nashville, Mm -hmm. and then you can get credit or you can get cash. So before I dropped the books off, I would always go look and see if there was another copy of Clear Your Clutter with Feng Shui that someone else had turned in and then get Mm -hmm. just enough credit that I could get that for free and then give it to someone because I loved Mm. it so much. (laughs) So it was like I'm doing the principles of the book while also getting the actual book and passing the knowledge on. Just something that really worked for me. (laughs) Yeah. I've also been inspired by a lot of minimalism books. I loved The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, Mm -hmm. which is incredibly prescriptive, which you and I have both talked about how that doesn't always work for us. It's true. But something about that book really worked. Mm -hmm. And I think it was that melding of what is the bigger picture and values behind doing this work, but Mm. then also, no, really, here's how to do this overwhelming task. Let me tell you. Yeah. It's such a good point because that's one that I love too. And I really don't usually love that. Also, there's something about the energy of her writing and whoever translated it did a really great job. But it's just like in the same way that Cheryl Strait and Glennon Doyle do, that they are calling you to this better thing. That's Mm -hmm. what that book feels like to me. You don't have to feel overwhelmed with your stuff. Mm -hmm. You don't have to feel overwhelmed when people give you gifts that you don't know what to do with. Here's a way to think about this, that it's going to work for everyone. And I just love that about Marie Kondo. And I love that about her show, too. 
Agreed. Another minimalism book that I loved was called You Can Buy Happiness and It's Free by Tammy (laughs) Strobel. And I read a lot of minimalism books. And this one was my favorite. Something about her voice and her approach just felt incredibly relatable and her interweaving of her life story as she was minimizing. It was much more memoirish than the Mm. life-changing magic of tidying up. Much more about her journey, but something about it worked for me and I loved it. I should put this one on my list. I would say this next one is kind of spans categories for me. Mrs. Frugalwoods writes a blog and then has also written a book. Mostly she's talking about money and frugality, Mm -hmm. but then she also works in stuff about parenting and she also works in stuff about minimalism. I feel like all of her writing is really accessible. Sometimes it's a little long for me. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's not concise, but if I am in the mood for it, she feels really like a contemporary, like she is us. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is really inspiring. And I also think she does this great job of acknowledging her privilege, mm-hmm. which is something that has to be done for me to be listening to Someone who is trying to lead on an issue, I need them to acknowledge the stuff they're bringing into it. Agreed. The last category I have is about time management. And my two favorites are The Shallows by Nicholas Carr, which came out, I think, in 2011. And it's one I still think about all the time, Mm. about the way that technology changes the way our brains are wired Mm. and makes it really difficult to have concentrated focus on a task. Mm. And the next one is in a very similar vein, but more recent, and it's Bored and Brilliant by Manoush Zomorodi. And while both books included a lot of research, I would say that Bored and Brilliant included more of her story and also more specific ideas of Mm. try this to regain that focus, where The Shallows was more of a cultural commentary. Got it. The last one I want to mention is Gretchen Rubin, who has written several books in the self-help slash memoir category Mm -hmm. and also has a podcast called Happier that I have listened to off and on through the years. And she's another one who I feel like is really real in her writing and also really inspirational. I think she is someone who is way more into self-help than I will ever be. Yes, But (laughs) rather than being annoyed by that, I am inspired by it. So that was some of the self-improvement advice that we have found to be helpful. What about the flip side? Is there any type of advice or specific advice that you find particularly unhelpful? I don't always do super well with other people telling me what to do with my life. (laughs) Fair. They have really got to sell it to me or call me to a greater vision of how my life could be for me to want to try it. Mm Along those same lines, I also really struggle with white men telling me how to do things without recognizing their own privilege and the role of the patriarchy in their success. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I find this particularly annoying when it relates to time management. (laughs) I can still get things out of their books, but not without many an eye roll. (laughs) For me, an example of this would be Cal Newport. Bless his heart. And I have really enjoyed his books. I really like deep work and I really like digital minimalism. There's a lot of inspiration and good ideas, but also the lack of recognition of his own unique circumstances and the ways in which the structure of our society supports him in going away and doing this focused work while everyone else is taking care of 
life in the world. And maybe that's not how his life is, but he did not do anything to make me think that it was different in the book. And Mm -hmm. I found that really frustrating. Yep. We've already shared a lot of resources, but are there any others in the self-improvement category that you would like to touch on before we wrap up? I just wanted to mention the By the Book podcast. This is a podcast where the two hosts pick a self-help book and then live by the tenets of the book for a week and then talk about it on their pod. It's awesome. I really love listening to the podcast. I love both of them. I love how real they get. I love how they figure things out about themselves that they didn't expect to in the course Mm -hmm. of the book. I will say I rarely have a desire to read the books after I listen to it. I just like Mm -hmm. listening to them. But if you want a taste of self-improvement without having to read, this is a good place to start. Yeah. It's great because they summarize it for you at the beginning. Yes. And you get a really good feel for what the book has to offer. Mm -hmm. In many ways, that's what you need with self-help books, right? Is you need the big ideas. You don't need to read 100 pages about the ideas necessarily. Exactly. My favorite resources are the Habit app, which I have talked about (laughs) on the podcast. I fell off in February from my tracking, but I am back on it and still loving it. (laughs) I also use the Calm app for meditation, and that tracks every day that you meditate. Mm. So that's nice, too, if you're only wanting to track your meditation. And another tracking tool that I am loving is my pedometer. It is just so fun to know how many steps you're taking. I'm not sure why it's so enjoyable, but it really is. Listeners, we would love to hear if there are self-help books that we didn't mention that we should check out, what ones you have found most inspirational and any other self-help ideas you'd like to discuss with us. Let's end, as we always do, by sharing something we've been eating. I will start us off by sharing a delicious hot fudge sauce I recently made. Mm. We used to make hot fudge growing up, and it was the kind where when you put it on the ice cream, it would harden. Oh, yes. Magic shell is what that's called when you buy it in the store. Yes. I loved that because then you get this great chewy piece of chocolate on Mm. top of the ice cream. Mm -hmm. So good. This kind was not. This was a smoother one. So easy to make. It was just sugar, cocoa, cream, and butter. Mm. And that's it. Love it. The recipe was from the Pioneer Woman. I got it because while y'all were here celebrating my birthday – A friend bought me a Ben and Jerry's. They did not have my favorite kind, which is Boom Chocolata. So they tried this new kind called Wake and No Bake. Mm -hmm. Also delicious. But as I have mentioned, I really need a lot of chocolate with my ice cream. And so loved all the flavors, just needed more chocolate on top. Enter this hot fudge sauce, put it on top of there. Great. Then I left on a trip. Neil sent me a text saying he was eating all the ice cream. I told him not to. It happened anyway. No. So then I had hot fudge sauce, but no ice cream. Mm. It's just great to eat plain. I can recommend (laughs) it. (laughs) So then we were doing where we'd all get a clean spoon after dinner and we'd pass around the hot fudge jar and each take a big spoon and eat it for dessert. I love it. It was great. What have you been eating? I've been eating cabbage cooked in the Instant Pot with tons of butter. Initially, I cooked cabbage in the Instant Pot because we had corned beef and cabbage and potatoes for St. Patrick's Day. Mm. And then I liked it so well that I just cooked more cabbage. And it's so quick. You just put it in the Instant Pot, cut into sort of wedges okay, for six minutes, and it basically just boils. 
and then I put lots of salt and pepper and tons of butter on it, and it's a delicious side dish. Do you add the butter, salt, and pepper after it comes out? Yes. It's essentially just boiled, and so I'm sure you could boil cabbage too, but the problem with boiling cabbage is that it stinks up your whole house. Mm -hmm. But if you do it in the Instant Pot, it's quicker, and then when the steam releases, there's a smell, but then it goes away. Okay. I'm always looking for new ways to use cabbage. I feel like it's one of those where there's so much cabbage Mm -hmm. in every head that you have to really like however you're making it Mm -hmm. with lots of butter and salt and pepper. Sounds like a good way to go. Yeah. And I will say that not everyone in my family likes this as much as I do. In fact, I may be the only one who likes this (laughs) in my family, but I like it enough for all of us. So that's what matters. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Sarah, and with all of you listeners. You can find us on our website, friendlierpodcast.com, on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or email us, friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. This is a nonfiction book that outlines four laws of effective habit change that I I didn't write down here. Make it um, Oh, I see you only have I only two. wrote two. I can only remember two from the book. Is that a good sign? I don't know. No, it's not. Because I don't even know that that's true. Mostly I just want to wallow, and I've already said that. Um, I like a good wallow. Um, I think my kids are just skipping up and down the hallway repeatedly. It's un- it's unclear. <laughs>